if you're not willing to take no for an answer, then you're going to spend a lot of time alone, but you'll get a lot closer to your goal. Electric Soil Podcast. Imagination is the electric soil of creation. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. I, you know, like I like that nonsense. Like that shit about the 80s is stuff that I like. The other thing that I liked about the 80s too, and it's something that you can kind of see with Netflix a little bit, mm. is if you start to scratch the surface a little bit and you move past the new releases and you move past the, the blockbuster hits and you start moving into the fucking the uh, bottoms of the side shelves and stuff, you start finding mm. other movies and stuff, right? You know, so to speak, you know, describing Netflix. Um, and sometimes you'll come across gems like, um, my mom had no interest in pop culture. So whatever was pop, she didn't give a shit what it was. She was reading the back of every movie in this place. Like she was very meticulous about what she was going to spend her budget on. Mm. And so she would read the back of these movies and she'd read the synopsis and decide if it was something that looked interesting enough to, to grab. My mom is n- a notorious reader. Like she would read books after books, like, like she kept libraries in business. I'm sure of it. Like she nice. would come home. She, she was a hard, really, really hard worker. So she would work her ass off all day. And then she'd come home and decompress. She'd have a book and she'd sit down and read half a book in a night and then she'd finish it off the next day. And, you know, she'd come home with a stack of books every week from the library. So she would read the backs of these movies and stuff. And that's how I got introduced to Big Trouble in Little China because it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a big blockbuster where they, uh, you know, they didn't have advertising all surrounding it and all that kind of stuff. Same with They Live, you know, Mm. um, all the, I mean, it uh, it was all John Carpenter stuff, but I mean, he didn't rely on that shit. He just relied on being able to make something cool and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that kind of stuff is still out there, but it's harder to find because, um, you know, all of the, uh, like people who are making those things are making them completely like funded by passion because they don't have actual funds to make it. But, um, I did a tattoo I'm going ADHD a little bit here. I'm going off road a little bit, but um, mm-hmm. I did a tattoo at the Lethbridge convention a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, did, I had made a sticker. There's a, there's a a meme that had come out about 10 years ago called Raptor Jesus. And it had a, it was like a classic painting of, um, I think it was like, I think it was Jesus in the original painting, but someone had Photoshopped a Raptor head over top of it. And the memes would always say something like Raptor Jesus loves you with mustard, oh you know, this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. These, these kind of things. So about uh, three or four years ago, me and a bunch of the staff decided to take on an endeavor where we were going to make artwork, make memes, memes into artwork because we were, uh, there's a lot of talk that there was censorship in China. There was censorship happening all over the world where they were starting to cut, you know, they weren't allowing people to use memes or make memes because the images that they were using were copyright. Oh, so they were using these copyright laws to undermine meme culture because it was, it was getting some political traction. Wow. Right. Yeah. So what we were doing, the idea that we had in our head was, Hey, like if we draw them, Mm. nobody can fucking like, if we draw them and make them like, you know, fair game for people to use as memes nobody can they can't fucking do that so we had drawn a whole bunch of them thinking that you know i mean in a worst case scenario people would be able to use those 
Um, of course, those laws and that kind of stuff didn't stick. Meme culture got to be so fucking big, it didn't matter no more. Um, but that wasn't before we had a handful, you know, half dozen or so that we had drawn. I drew Kermit the Frog drinking the tea. I drew a Raptor Jesus. Um, Brian did the puffin and um, the uh, the Ikea monkey. Oh, nice. Roxy, Roxy did the uh, SpongeBob with the rainbow. Hey, nobody cares that that one. Yeah. Um, she also did. She also did the, the Velociraptor, the raptor that's like you know, scratching his. Oh chin. yeah, yeah. Um, I think there, Brian may have done another one. Brian pumps mode. I have a few drawings that I had done. You know, I had drunk, done the drunk baby that didn't end up getting finished, but it was like really close. You know. Anyway, um, so I like we made stickers of them. The stickers are a fucking hit. Like every show, like I, I think we're actually sold out of a lot of them right now. We're going to have to get more made. Really? And, um, one client saw this Raptor Jesus piece and he's like, can you tattoo that on me? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, I, you know, I said, I'm going to, you know, adjust it so that it's a little bit more tattooable. And, you know, I, I want to make it a little bit more extravagant, you know, so that it works in the medium better. And, uh, of course, you know, he's not going to say no to that. So um, he's a really cool dude. So we uh, we did this Raptor Jesus on his thigh in Lethbridge. And while I'm doing this piece, I had um, a couple of people, like um, particular this uh, this one guy um, from, uh, from uh, Whistler, mm. uh, Tyler, Tyler, I think his name was Tyler. I'm positive his name was Tyler. Anyway, uh, he come over and said, he's like, Philosoraptor. Have you seen Philosoraptor? Or sorry, uh, what's this, right? No, 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 not Philosoraptor. What's it called? Um, oh, it's eluding me now. Um, uh, it's like a raptor, pastor, fuck, what is it called? Velocipastor. That's what ah, it's called. Ah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Velocipastor. Velocipastor. Yeah. So anyway, that was a long way around to finding that, uh, that word and title of that movie. Anyway, it's supposed to be hokey as shit, which of course I'm going to like, but we were talking about that and, uh, you know, like in the vein of, uh, to bring it back to the fucking point, um, you know, these days there's not a lot of budget for movie, you know I mean? Like, I mean, you've got these major, you know, movie houses, you know, that are, like, you know, these franchises and stuff that just completely bleed the market dry from anything that's new and creative. I mean, every time they come out with another remake, you know that they know exactly how much it's going to make. Sure. They're like, yeah, they're like, we're going to fucking, we're going to do a live action Ren and Stimpy. And we know that it's <laughs> going to make, you know, $75 million. So we'll spend 50 million making it, you know, like yeah. however the fuck that works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but I mean, unfortunately, when they do that, they're taking, um, you know, I mean, you get these massive blockbusters now, which, you know, I mean, look at even the even the actors that are in them are making as much money as an entire movie costs. Right. And they're like, you know, you know that that, that was the money that used to go to making new and interesting shit. Mm. So it kind of it kind of, you know, ties people's hands. But. I think there's something that um, th there's uh, a poetry in it. And it's going to make things. Uh, I, I have this hope, hold on to this hope that it's going to make uh, movies interesting again, 
in that the most interesting and cheesiest fucking movies that were out there were interesting because they were cheesy and they were cheesy because they had to solve problems without throwing money at them. Yeah. Oh, completely. Completely. So that's where the, that's where the camp comes from. Like instead of throwing money at the problem, they're going, okay, well, you know, we could do that or we could just, um, you know, bring in a fucking, you know, uh, you know, dog dressed like a clown. Yeah. And it will provide the distraction required without, you know, blowing up a car. Right. (laughs) It's got like, yeah, man, it's like the Vaseline on the lens trick for George Lucas. Like that's why the original four star Wars, like episode four through six are to me far superior than any of the other star Wars movies. I kind of stopped watching them altogether. Honestly, I love those all because yeah, he had to solve problems with shit around him. Right. As it was a lot more like gorilla style filmmaking which is crazy to think considering what came of star wars but like that's why there's a certain charm to those first ones there's like you know puppets yeah. over com- puppets over computer animation fucking any day of the week you can kind of see any day you know what i mean yoda's like kind of moist almost like he's kind of sweaty like perspiring versus a computer yeah. animated yoda like oh man yeah yeah for sure dude no i i totally with you like i'm like i felt like when the when the prequels came out i just sat there like like rolling my eyes, like it's like you know, it was neat to see what they could do with the um, with the computer graphics CGI. This is like you know when in I guess what ninety six, yeah, sounds about ninety seven right. yeah. when they started coming out, yeah, um, you know, to see what they could do with computer you know animation and stuff. And I mean, keeping in mind that Star Wars was state of the art for uh, for special effects when it came out, they had to. St- they had to do something state of the art for special effects completely for those ones, because that, that was more on brand than, than them doing practical effects. But the part of me still is like, man, is it really a prequel? If the special effects are better, like I wish they could have done at least a few of them that were worse. Mm. it. Just make yeah. it look fucking terrible. Like one of the speeders, you actually see the guy's legs, right. you know, walking by underneath the yeah, speeder yeah. or something. Doing like the in there. Flintstone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. Yeah, and then then they could go to the you know the the new ones. You know the uh, you know episodes. Uh, you know whatever seven eight nine or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they could do better special effects, and it'd be like okay, well the special effects fall in the timeline as well as the story, right? Totally, man. That's actually a really good idea. According, but like you say, of course they're not going to do that, right? There's so much money on the line. Well, fuck. You know, I mean, it, like I I felt. I really feel like George Lucas should have been calling me before he made any of the uh, prequels. <laughs> right. But I mean, like, you know, like, what do you do, man? I mean, he, he didn't want to call. So what the fuck do you do? I mean, you just leave him to make his own mistakes. You yeah, know? exactly. And this is back in the days <laughs> of like answering machines. So he could have got a hold of you. Let's face it. He might have tried. Know? He might have right? tried. My answer machine might not have been plugged in. Fair, fair. Yeah, there we go. We could, we could, we'll go. You know with what that. I mean, or we'll the tape that. ran out. The, the tape, tape ran out because of all the other <laughs> movie companies calling me for stories. Exactly, so. exactly. No, yeah, dude, that's so totally. Funny. It had nothing to do with the fact that yeah. I was uh, nobody yeah. living in hiding in a basement, drawing all the time, wondering yeah. how how I'm gonna afford gas for the van that I um, have been driving without insurance or registration for fucking three years because I couldn't afford to get those either, right? Oh man, nothing to do with that. No correlation whatsoever. No, that no. had nothing to do. No, with it. no, no that's a, yeah, <laughs> Dude, that's awesome, man. That's so good. So, um, the, I got a question. Do yeah, you uh, are those available online? The originals, uh, the originals, Star Wars. Oh, I don't know. 
Like, because I've looked, man, and I can't oh, seem to find them. That's a good I have question, a, actually. Um, yeah. Hmm. I have a fucking, I have a flash drive somewhere that apparently was supposed to have them on it, but I was never mm-hmm. able to make that flash drive work in my, uh, you know, it was like the flash drive was, you know, made by, uh, you know, some kind of PC or whatever, and I use Mac. Right. Because. So- I'm I'm digitally declined, right? Uh, declined. You know what? They should be yeah. on the Disney Network. They should be streaming on Disney Network because it's got every Star yeah, Wars sh- anything on there. Should they should be? Yeah, on there. they should be, but they right. aren't. I don't Are you think serious? They, I don't think they. Yeah, I don't wow. think they have uh, Chewbacca Christmas either. <laughs> but you can find it online. The Chewbacca Christmas special. Oh, that is taking it too far. If you can't have Chewbacca Christmas, come on. Dude, well, they aren't even I mean, on, they're not on Disney. What are they ashamed? Like that is those are classic movies, man. That's well, like this classic is storytelling. This goes back to something that uh, you know I've had a fair amount of discussion about uh, with people because we spend a lot of time just sitting around talking shit. <laughs> um, is that you know like everyone's like, oh man, they shouldn't be removing those episodes of The Office. They shouldn't be removing mm-hmm. those you know parts of those old cartoons. They censorship has gone way out of control they're just trying to fucking put on the oven mitts for everybody in the world well they need to do a fucking streaming service and just call it something like the museum mm. and just every time you fucking click on one they're like okay we're gonna give you a spiel to give you some kind of idea of the context of the world right. when this thing was made yes. so that you can understand that although that's not the world that we live in this is the world that we came from at one point totally and that way we can be like okay you know like um, you know, the, uh, you know, the star Wars purists will be able to get their original, the versions of the original for me, like I'm not a star Wars purist. I'm just an old kind. And that's what I remember, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I just missed yeah. my childhood. You know what I mean? Yeah. The nostalgia. Right. And then, yeah, like you're talking like, man, Bert and Ernie can't be uh, shown on TV now. Cause of the, uh, you know, and like the, the tranny version of Bugs Bunny, like she'd, he'd always dress up like a, a girl to, yeah. you know what I mean? To, to. Uh, to foil Yosemite Sam, like things like this, yeah. like really, I don't know. Like I, yeah, yeah. so like I, I don't know, dude. Some of it's it hard to far. say, but I mean, you know, at the same time, like I don't know. This goes back to something that I've been talking, seem to be talking about a lot lately. Is that um, you know, there's sort of like I don't know what else, how else to describe. But the best way I can describe it is like there's like existential weather patterns, mm, right? Interesting, like and. That. What happens is when you get to a certain age, you start to gravitate towards where you feel safest in this mm. existential. Our parents felt safest having kids. They have kids. Now they have focus. They need to build a shelter. So they build a shelter from all this existential weather. They stop being able to pay attention to it and see which way that it's going because they're so focused on maintaining the shelter. Mm. And then when we reach a point when we're in our mid-20s, um, a lot of us go through that crisis. A lot, I mean, it didn't happen with me, but you know, it happened with a lot of my peers where they just decided that, nope, they need to like, yeah, I, I, if it falls right into the timeline where your parents start to become your peers, right. so you reach a certain point where you're like, you're like, Oh fuck, I'm the same age that my mom was when she had me. And yeah. I still, I'm still fucking playing with crayons and shit. You know what I mean? Like that's, <laughs> That was my, yeah. I'm still, I'm sitting here playing fucking guitar and you know what I mean? Drawing cartoons and, um, you know, I'm the same age. I mean, at that point, I mean, at the age that I'm at now, I'm at the age that my mom was when I left home mm. 
And you know, like, you want to talk about a crisis? Like, I'm sitting here going, "Holy fuck!" Like, I sit around and fucking do farting wiener jokes all goddamn day and draw fucking <laughs> nonsense. I mean, people yeah. love it, and that's I I love doing it. But I mean, you have those moments where you're like, "Holy shit!" Like, um, is this what being an adult is like? And you realize that there's no real definition to it, right? Yes. Um, yeah. but people are, you know, you're they they gravitate toward their comfort with. So when they start to become, uh, their parents start to become their peers. They reach that age where their parents start to become their peers. They're like, okay, it's time for me to fucking snap out of it and start, you know, pumping out units and. So they have, you know, they have their kids and they start to build their shelter from this, uh, you know, the existential weather patterns. They stop paying attention to the weather patterns. They're more focused on building the shelter and, and having a better shelter than their parents provided and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, people kind of get to that point where, uh, you know, the world that's around them, when their kids leave home, they step out into the world again and they're like, holy fuck, I do not know what the hell is going on out here now. Mm. Like every- seems like a completely different fucking place right and i think that i think that that happens to uh, a lot of us to a certain extent where it's like okay like i mean in my case i uh i find myself out of touch um sometimes with you know the uh younger people in my industry and i use my industry as an example because that's been my focus for 20 years um in being able to know how it functions and know how to you know make this stuff work and and working to build you know, my shop, which would be, you know, considered, I guess, in this uh, example as sort of a shelter mm. and focusing on building this kind of thing. And it, and it sort of puts me in a, in a thing where sometimes I, I look at what, you know, the younger generation and in, in what my industry is doing. And it's confusing to me. It's baffling. I, you know, I know enough to not judge on it because like, or I try to anyway, yeah, right. try to be open-minded about it. But, um, you know, sometimes like, you know, when you, you know, all the, all the things that have always worked for you are now, um, you know, are falling out of, uh, you know, out of usefulness. Mm, yeah. It starts, it starts to, you know, really kind of create this, this panic. And, you know, um, I find that, you know, the older generations, um, whether we're talking about older generations of, uh, you know, people working in, in a specific industry, say, or older generations of parents, um, they sort of turn like, uh, I forget what his name was in, uh, in, uh, of mice and men. I think it's George. Yeah. Who, yeah, yeah. Like yep. strangles the bunny because he doesn't want it to get away. Right. You know? And so they're starting to do this thing where it's like, okay, well, we need to, we need to control it better. We got to control it more. We got to do this kind of thing instead of just accepting the fact that you can't watch them all the fucking time. You can't watch people do things all the time. All you can do is hope that you set a good enough example. You taught them good enough that um, they have a value system that when something crosses their path, that seems fucked up, they'll make uh, a wiser decision with regards to it. Hmm. Yeah, no, totally. you know, yeah. I think but, I think some of that, yeah, dude. Yeah, I I love that whole everything you said there. Like the um the idea of like the weather pattern and all that. Super cool analogy. I've never heard somebody describe it like that. I think it's like some of it too is like you know people have to experience it for themselves. Like when I was younger, regardless of being you know brought up a certain way or or you know knowing what is right or wrong. Sometimes you almost, there's a, again, it's more so the younger, younger generation. It's just part of learning. I think experiential learning is like, 
you know, you still got to know, you don't know till you know, like you still got to try, try it on and see if that yeah. maybe is part of your personality or like, there's obviously a degree of rebellion, especially when you get to a certain age where you're like, you know what, you start challenging these learned behaviors and learned values are like mm-hmm. just to go, okay, well, is this really my value or is it my dad's value or is it my mom's value? That's it's, right. Right. So I don't know. It's definitely yeah. interesting though, right? How much of that it's, like, it's, it's theoretical versus practical. Completely. Like someone, can completely. Tell you, someone can tell you all day long that, you know, um, you know, it, you, you don't want to, you know, try and take a mouthful of fire <laughs> and right. a person's like, oh. Yeah, like you get to a point where you're like, okay, fuck, you know what? You've told me that so many fucking times. I'm starting to think that there's something I'm missing out on right now. Right. Exactly. And really, what they're doing, what they're doing, is they see that behavior, that you know, that mindset, and where you're like, ah, I'm just, I'm gonna do what the fuck I'm gonna do, and they're like, okay, go ahead, and then you just go and fucking grab a fucking ladle full of fucking fire, pour it down your throat. Yeah. It's like, Holy yeah. fuck, they're right. You were right. You know? Yeah. No, for yeah, sure. No. Exactly. I like that though. It's like I, I watched this uh, TED talk a while ago. Um, I don't know. Are you into TED talks at all? Like I'm just. It's like, I, I like. There's some. Some I like. It depends on the. It depends on the speaker. This, you know what I mean? Of course, of course. There's this one that uh, this monk did, and he and he mentions uh, basically is his sort of like. I guess how he views life and how specifically how we should all uh, strive to view life, and it was uh, the story was. Um, this person that wanted to his his life goal was to get to the the top of a mountain and you know he did all the planning and got everything kind of ready to go but uh he wanted to know a little bit more about it so he started asking people that had gone up the mountain what it was like and by the time he got to the fifth person hearing what it was like going up the mountain he's like you know what i think i have enough information now i don't need to take that trip up the mountain anymore and then the whole idea being that well nothing can replace the clarity that you will get and the, the feeling and the experience, personal experience that you would get from going up there yourself and seeing that and changing your own perspective, because it's more than just like a, a mental thing or, or hearing about it. It's actually like the experience of doing it. I thought just the way he said it too, like, you know, how like monks talk very kind of calm and monotone and it was just amazing. <laughs> they had some like music in the background and stuff. I'll send you the link after, but yeah, I, I yeah, think you yeah, might absolutely. dig it, but uh, that is, it's, it's such a, such a cool story. And it just, it's, I think a lot of people do that, right? They, you know, they, they almost leave vicariously through other people's experiences or stories, right? You're talking about like crazy stories and all that. Like some people are just, that's fine. They're, they're closest to being like, you know, crossing a line is hearing somebody else or knowing somebody that's done something crazy. And they're yeah. like, you know what, that's, that, you know, that's a toe. No, that's the, good enough. Right. That's good yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. and I, uh, I say that a lot too. I, I tell people, you know, like, like I have, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time talking to people and stuff. And if someone's like, there's something that they really, really, really want to do. And it's not going to hurt anybody else. And it's not overly self-destructive or any of those kind of things. You know, mm. someone's like, you know, I, I just want to fucking, I just want to drop 600 tabs of acid one day. You know? And I'm like, yeah. you know, well, I know no, no one else is going to get hurt. You know, you, I mean, you just might see Atari bricks for a week. <laughs> um, no, I'm just using that as an example. Yeah. That shit doesn't happen, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like whatever. I'm just, I'm just making up a fucking scenario, right. but I'm like, um, you know, when that stuff happens, like, I get, I like, I always just fucking like, I try and encourage people to do shit because a lot of times what they're doing is they're saying, Hey, can you talk me out of this? Right. I'm going to do this. I I feel like I want to do this. Can you talk me out of it? And it's like, ah, fuck. I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if you listen to Jason Isbell. Do you know Jason Isbell, the songwriter? No. 
Okay, so he's a songwriter um, from Alabama and stuff. I guarantee you, you've heard something by him. Okay, he's played for the Drive Ruckers, and like he's just like it's. He's like he does sort of this Americana folk stuff. Cool. Um, anyway, there's a lyric in one of his songs where uh, I'm gonna probably fuck it up, but he he, uh, he put it really good. He said, "Take a year and make or break. There ain't that much at stake. The answers could be relatively easy." Mm. So it's like you know. Nice, nice. With a year, you know, you give yourself a year to go and chase something that you really feel like you're supposed to do. And, you know, it's just a year. Sure. You might fucking, you might be broke for a year. You'll, you'll bounce back, you know? Right, right. Oh, I love that. You know, I but, but the answers, the answers might be right there. You know, yeah. it, might be, it might be relatively easy. Like you might get in, as soon as you get in there, you're like, oh, wait, this is how you swim. Fuck yeah. You'll never learn to swim if you don't jump in the water. Totally, man. I also like, I really like the idea of, um, you know, like the whole stonecutters uh, sort of uh, ideas. Like, you know, you could be working on, on hammering this, this rock or the stone, you know, day in, day out for years and years and not realizing that you're just one hit away. Like if you, and you, you can leave it or like the three feet mm-hmm. from gold, like there's that whole story where like somebody yeah. had lined up and they drilled right down and found a little bit of gold, but not nearly what they thought they sold the property. And as it turns out, the biggest amount of gold ever found in american history was like just to the left of it had they just gone that you know what i mean like being yeah. that close to something like you say it could be like right in front of you and you just need to be able to like kind of open yourself to it right or be like yeah just, just a little more aware. trust yourself trust, trust yourself, yourself. Trust, yeah. your, trust your gut like i mean and in the end you know what's the worst that happens you fail you know like yeah. fuck yeah. failure is like Failure is all in your head. You know what I mean? It's yeah. You know you you may not you may not get the outcome that you're going for. That's not failure. Not, not getting the outcome that you're going for is is called learning. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> right? that's it. It's trial and error. Like that's yeah. your that's your next step to, to you know figuring out your next you know figuring out what's missing. You know you like you take it on your chin. You go home and you fucking lick your wounds. And you figure out what you did wrong. And uh, come back swinging, but I mean, if you if you go and you're chasing something, like I mean, and this is you know, this as somebody who I don't know if I'm fucking tenacious or fucking stubborn or stupid, but um, I I chased you know I chased a life of creativity, and um, you know, there's lots of times where logic told me that I should just fucking not, you know, mm, sure. But, you know, you go and you fucking, you fuck up and you sit around and, you, like, you figure out, okay, like, you know, where did this go wrong? You find the friction point for where it went wrong. You just, you figure out, you know, what the catalyst was that, that caused it and then go back and try again, you know, and just know that when you cross that scenario again, you've already been through it and you know, you have a better idea on how to make an educated guess of what the next move should be. Totally, man. Yeah. No, that's, I, I, I love, like, I love that subject. Like the, the idea of like failure as, you know, instead of this, I think people associate themselves with failure. Like they, it's a state of being, right. It's a, it's something that they are when in fact it's entirely necessary for growth, right? The, there is no growth without, like you say, trial and error. You just have to reframe it. The word failure yeah. isn't uh, a state of being. It's a, it's a, uh, you know, I uh, put like a, a temporary roadblock or a, a place for you to learn to stop and go, okay, Hey, what I did was not working. How can I make this work? And like you said, you, 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 uh, you kind of reframe it and go over, okay, 
uh, and presumably if you learn from your mistakes, there's no, there's no such thing as failure really. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, I don't know. I think that's, I think it's important. I mean, you know, if you're, if you are willing to talk yourself out of something, then everybody else in the world will help you. Hmm. Right. Yeah. But if you're, if you're not willing to take no for an answer, then you're gonna, uh, you're gonna spend a lot of time alone, but you'll get a lot farther closer to your goal. Yeah. That's profound. That's good. I really like that. Because it's just, it's just you and your goal really. Yeah. Right. Well, at that point it's just, and that's, that's what it's supposed to be anyway. It's funny you mention it because, like, so you, like you say, you're passing a lot of time, you know, obviously conversing with folks that are your clients and such. So, and you, you you're good. I'm sure you get, a, like you say, a, a wide range of people, a wide range of subjects that you, you know, fairly dynamic conversations throughout. But yeah, it's funny that, that you mentioned that a lot of people almost are bringing things up, their dreams and whatnot, with the idea that you are going to be the gatekeeper or shut them down or go, no, you shouldn't do that or convince them out of it. They're almost looking for that, which is fascinating to me that you get, you know, you get that a fair bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, you know, I mean, the second that you start hurting somebody, they'll tell you everything that they <laughs> never tell anybody else. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like you're sort of, you're sort of like a combination of, you know, the bartender and the blind shoe shine boy they'll fucking tell you everything right Interesting. and there's been conversations where i've actually had to stop guys from telling me shit where really? i'm like hey man really if you if you tell me this you're giving me information that uh could put you in like fucking big trouble because if it's if there's anything illegal in what you're fucking telling me right and somebody asks me about it yes I have no ability to lie to that and you know in the event that an authority figure was was to put me you know put me somewhere in it to subpoena me to talk about it, then I'm fucking talking about it. Uh, yeah. So just don't tell me your shit. You know what I mean? So I've done that before. You know, I mean, when someone's starting to tiptoe on something that's delicate like that, and it doesn't happen lots. When someone tiptoes on something that's delicate like that, I'll fucking, I'll just change the subject. I'll be like, Hey dude, like, have you fucking seen any good movies lately? Nice. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Subtly, not so subtly pivot off the, assignment. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got gotcha. exactly. I mean, it's happened a couple, maybe three times in my career where I've had to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, We see a lot of fucking, we see a lot of fucking dodgy shit, you know? I mean, as, as my shop became more successful, fewer people came in with dodgy bullshit. Sure. Um, But when you're small and, you know, starting out and stuff, a lot of people look at you as like someone that they can, you know, kind of take advantage of. or Haggle or whatever, right? Yeah, but yeah. luckily, like I, I learned at a place that was very well established, so there are certain uh, red flags that you know when they came th- when my shop was starting out when they came through my door. I'm like, this is a massive red flag, and I just mm. you know, I just throw up a roadblock. They'd be like, I need to get in for this piece right now, and I'd go, Yeah, I'm booking in fucking four years. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I go, well, fuck, I I have money right now. I'm like, awesome. There's lots of people who want your money. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. You know, just set up that boundary, right? And be a yeah. yeah. Like I just you know, I I don't fucking fuck with that. I I had a fucking major boundary um, that I had to put up with a guy a few years ago. Um, he had gone around and uh, he would, he had gone to a shop in town and he needed an immediate cover up. Mm. And um, the shop was like, "Well, I'm booked up, so I'd go talk to Chris." Oof. So he come in and he's like, "I need a cover up now," and I'm I'm sitting there. I've got time. But I'm like, why do you need one now? 
Right. Let's start there. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, there's this, uh, you know, there's this legal proceeding and, you know, my tattoo could incriminate me in this uh, scenario, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, um, you need to talk to your lawyer. Right. I'm not touching this fucking piece until your court date is done. Until this fucking day in court, this whole fucking scenario is fucking finished. And once once that's all done and you've been proven innocent in this fucking scenario, then we can talk about it and I would love to help you. But this is the kind of thing where if I was your lawyer and you came in and said, okay, I got that fucking piece covered, I would say you're fucking fired because you automatically, by doing that, make yourself look guilty. The fact that you came in here so fucking determined to get that thing covered looks guilty i'm not saying one way or the other what i think it is it doesn't fucking matter what i think yeah but you need to talk to your lawyer you need to discuss your strategy with him and see what he fucking thinks about that and if he thinks that it's a fucking good idea for you to do it there's lots of people who will do it but until this all this stuff is fucking cleared Mm. i'm not going to fucking i'm not going to touch this because that makes me party like destroying of evidence basically yeah and i'm not going to do it Oh, you'd be liable, would you not? I mean, especially if you knew, like after he disclosed that to you, dude, you could have been, you're putting your own ass on the line at that point. Especially, right? yeah, especially because he says something about it. But like I said, you know, when someone has that kind of, you know, vibe, that headspace on them, yeah. I'm, I'm not interested, man. Like, I, I'm sorry, like, fucking, I don't need the money that bad. Yeah. I love, I love doing what I do and I love getting paid for doing what I'm doing, but I, I care more about, you know, about the well-being of my client like i'll you know i won't do uh i won't do a tattoo on someone that's in distress um you know if they're going through the pain of a tattoo is one thing but coming in and being like i have to get it because there's something in my life and i'm like yeah i ain't fucking touching it i like i'd love to help you come back when this is over yeah sure you know what i mean yeah you gotta keep the drama down right like i think that's a yeah, like you say, I mean, it's, a, you got to have the right headspace. Like the clients and yourself, obviously yourself. It's big for you to, to uh, you know, have a certain mentality and headspace that you can maintain as an owner operator, and then that'll trickle down to the clients and how have them feel safe. And they gotta have the right, uh, you know, headspace coming in. I would assume. There's also the execution of the piece too, right. because if I'm sitting here looking at this piece and going, "Man, this person is just like they're not in the right headspace." blah, blah, blah. It becomes a distraction for me where I feel like I'm doing them wrong somehow. Sure. You know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can and see that. It can, it can affect my performance, you know, in the execution of the piece. Like there's a lot, there's guys out there who are just like, they don't give a shit. And they'll like, it doesn't matter what amount of, you know, mental distress and stuff that they're under. They'll, uh, here guys, go out. Going out here. Go. Letting my dog out. Nice. Um, doesn't matter what amount of, you know, mental or emotional distress that they're under or that the client's under uh, is you got money they'll fucking work on it right yeah of course and some guys some guys are amazing at it, right like i was at a convention one of the uh international conventions in toronto i forget what the guy which guy it was um because it was one of my first shows in toronto anyway this guy on the sunday the last day of the show he was so hung over they went out and got fucked up on saturday he was so hungover that he had his bucket beside him while he was working and he was fucking hurling. Man, that's well, horrible. Like he was tattooed, put down his machine, turn around, hurl in the bucket, you know, take a piece of gum, take a drink of coffee, 
Man. grab a machine, go back to work, Horrible. and he won best of show what? with that piece. Oh. Yeah, he he did it just a fucking flawless, amazing piece. Wow. I mean, he had he had that reverse pressure on him that uh, you know forced him to, I guess, focus. I, I, I he be he must have used it, but it was like. Was it Toronto? I don't know. I can't remember which one it was. So many shows, right? Yeah. But I just remember being blown away. You know, this guy had this fucking flawless piece in a situation where there's, like, I could never see myself being able to do that, you know? Yeah, no kidding. It's a function, but especially at a high level. Like you say, though, like, sometimes when you're in that, like, between still kind of drunk and almost hanging over, like you say, I guess, I don't know if that's what you meant by reverse pressure, but it's like, sometimes you're just yeah. you're in this like zone where like none of that is getting to you and it's not computing that, it, that, you know what I mean? That there's like pressure. It's just not there. It's just like, it's completely yeah. absent. Cause you're kind of in this, this, uh, in between zone almost, but which I've, you know, I think we've yeah. all been there before, Obliv- but oblivion. Yeah. Yeah. I feel yeah. like, uh, I feel like, you know, it, it's quite possible that it was just something else to focus on. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, yeah. but uh, fuck, I don't know. Some people can do it. Like I said, and some people, will, they'll fucking, they'll take a guy's money and they'll just fucking run with it. You know, like I, I'm pretty fucking, I'm pretty sticky about things. Like I want to make sure that we do your design from scratch. I want to make sure that, you know, you come in and you say, you bring in a picture of a tattoo, someone else's tattoo. You're like, I want this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just tell you, like, you're not getting that, but we can, we can start, use that as a, you know, jumping off point. I'm like, okay, what do you like about it? You like the shape. Okay. Do you like the, um, you know, the snail with fucking penis body? And they're like, ah, I'd rather just have a snail. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> do you like the colors? No, I don't want color. I want black, gray. You kind of pick apart what they like. Totally. And then go, okay, so, you know, this location on the body will work or won't work. These are the shapes that we can or can't use. Um, you know, and then we build it. I build a sort of a composite and, uh, and I'll, you know, because I can execute most styles, I can, you know, recreate aspects of the style that they like and, you know, add a little bit of my own sort of, you know, way of understanding it and, and build a piece around that for them. Um, but I mean, there's guys out there who you could walk in and be like, like, there's a very, very famous sleeve out there right now. Um, it's probably covered up by now because it's been ridiculed into the fucking ground. Mm. But um, a guy had a... a a chest piece of Batman and he brought it into a shop and he said that he wanted it. And the artist said, no problem. Took it, built it as a sleeve for this guy, completely traced it as a sleeve for this guy. And when you look at the guy's sleeve, you can see the nipple. Ah, yes. That was on the chest, the original yeah. chest piece, right? It's like, right. come on, man. Like you, you want to try at least, you know, like <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, but like I said, there's people out there, they don't give a fuck. They'll just fucking take your money. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not against taking someone's money, but I just try and be clear. Like, you know, this is what you're getting from me, man. Like, I I have my own limitations. I have my own strengths. If you want that guy's limitations and that guy's strengths, I'll send him an email for you. Sure. Exactly. Hey, fair enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's cool. I like how you kind of gave a break it down like the process right like you really have to somebody brings something in it's like yeah you have to identify what they like about it 
does it work on the the you know there's a lot of moving parts you have to kind of go through like almost a, a structure or like a you know a checklist essentially you're like okay so we can yeah. do this but you're not going to get this you like the colors we can do some of the colors you know you kind of uh yeah it's it's just interesting i love the the creative process in general so it's cool that you shared that that's, how, that's kind of how it goes and um dude so good to catch up with you. I uh, yeah, you too, man. I uh, my iPad is is getting uh, close to low on batteries, and uh, and yeah, I, yeah. quite frankly, I got to take a piss here. So um, yeah, but, I, I, but, I, was, I was about to take you with me. Actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I'm watering the plants again. That's it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. Exactly. Let's, uh, dude. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's it's uh, it's you're one of those guys you can just kind of pick up, you know, where we left off whenever it was a couple of years ago. Now it's cool. So it's. Uh, yeah, man.